Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is a show where we share cutting edge strategies for directors of marketing, CMOs, VPs of marketing to help scale and grow your business so you can ultimately achieve your vision. And those cutting edge strategies today, Kasim, are going to be about AI. We've been talking about this show for a while and we haven't done it. And here we are finally going to talk some AI stuff, tools in the future of AI in digital marketing. So does that sound like a good topic We're of conversation? Fulfilling on our promise. We're fulfilling on that promise. Yeah. Yes. And it's about time that we've done it here. It's been working in the background. We've been working secretly, I think, in our laboratories, how we see AI being involved in digital marketing. Obviously, there's the tools that are now being used, which we'll talk about a lot of those here today. Today will be a very toolsy episode, but also really where we see things going and also what we haven't done yet and where we think you can maybe even make some improvements on the things that we've done specifically inside of our agencies. And also where sort of the mid-range of AI is and for me, like where the real future is. So we want to talk about all of those things here today and make sure that you do check us out over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. That's our YouTube channel. We are uh, growing like an AI weed, an AI generated DALI mid journey weed over there on YouTube. So check us out there. And we've got a show coming up that we're both doing with a frequent guest here, Lauren Petrullo, this thing called Traffic and Conversion Summit. We've mentioned it a couple of times on the show, but we've got some more information, some more freebies, some more goodies, some more things for you, the listener, to engage with this awesome conference, which we go to every single year. You want to spill the beans here, Kasim? If you haven't been to TNC, it's the Super Bowl, it's the Oscars. The reason that the analogies don't stand is because those are the end of an era, and TNC is always the beginning for me. It's the beginning of the year to come. Ryan, in his keynote, tells you where marketing is going to go, and he's never been wrong. And it's where the real marketers go to learn, grow, network, get proven wrong, get proven right, be validated. And so if you haven't been, you have to go. It's the largest marketing conference in North America, I believe. Our good friends at Clarion have given us a ticket, Ralph. Ticket. We have a ticket. We have a golden ticket. This is a Willy Wonka moment. And to win the golden ticket, thou must write us an honest review wherever thine podcasts are heard. And we shall aggregate thine reviews and randomly select one that is worthy of the golden ticket. And the golden ticket, by the way, the value, the cash value of this, which by the way, you cannot buy it and then resell it because we have to meet you there. And this is being monitored by Clarion. And there's really good at this sort of stuff. So right. don't even think about that perpetual traffic listener. Not that you would, but the they value would never, is they wouldn't dare. how much? 2,600 bucks. 2600 bucks. Yeah. $2,600. Yeah. I don't know many other podcasts just giving away thousands of dollars. It's a pretty good chunk. So yeah, all you have to do is just uh, write an honest review on wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll aggregate them all together and then we'll randomly select the winning ticket here. And also the bonus here, which I don't know if it's really much of a bonus, is you get to meet us face to face and you know, custom might buy you a drink somewhere, maybe an orange juice somewhere. Cranberry juice. Cranberry juice. Yeah. It's good. We'll reenact the, yeah. the scene in The Departed where he orders a cranberry juice. We also have a promo code. If you don't want to play our game and you just want to buy tickets and you want 20% off, you can use promo code Perpetual Traffic. Go to trafficandconversionsummit.com, use the promo code Perpetual Traffic, and it'll get you 20% off. I think everything, all the things. Yeah. 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 So if you want to buy whatever, I think they have three levels of tickets. And I think the tickets prices are going up, if I'm not mistaken. They just went up recording. already and they're going up again December 14th. Yeah. So speed is of the essence here. So I would jump on that, obviously. 
either go to the review side or if you're buying in bulk, definitely use our link. We'll leave a link in the show notes over at perpetualtraffic.com. But obviously, all you really need to go to is traffic and conversion summit.com and put in the code perpetual traffic and you get 20% off right there. So we're just saving you money left and right here. So good, great. Let's get on with the content here today. The future of advertising in an AI world. We're going to get into that. And there's a lot to this conversation. I have a feeling this might be a two-parter, but we'll condense it as much as we possibly can because there's so much to discuss here because so much has happened, especially in the last just couple of weeks. I mean, mm. holy cow, especially on the open AI side. We're going to get it back into the future of advertising in an AI world right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. We are talking about the future of advertising or digital advertising specifically in an AI world. And you know, Kasim, I was reluctant to do this episode because I'm a little bit disappointed in myself. Why is that, Rob? And well, I'm my own harshest critic, but I feel like we have done a lot with AI. We'll talk about that here today, but we have not done the one thing that I think we really should have done at this point, which is actually create a chatbot, which is sort of a mini version of the agent model, mm. which I think is absolutely the future of so much of AI, which we'll talk about here today. And if you haven't heard that name being used, it really is AI doing all the work as opposed to you being in the middle of it. You could be the governor sort of at the end of it, but the first iteration of it is at least doing an AI-inspired chatbot, which we have not done on Tier 11 right now, which I'm kind of ticked off about, but we've been focused on a number of different things, huge transition in our agency this past year. So yeah, I'm going to start off with a caveat that I am a little bit disappointed that we have not gone down that route as of yet. Thoughts, concerns, observations, confessions? Yeah, I want to tell you why I disagree with you. I think you're actually in good shape. I think you're a good company. I'll tell you why. Up until very recently, building an AI chatbot was super cumbersome. And had you done that, the amount of time, effort, and energy that you would have invested in doing so would have been significant, and the chatbot would have been less than ideal, and it would have been an iterative project. And so you have all this sunk cost, and that's the problem with anything that's brand new. If you're on the bleeding edge, which I don't believe in being, by the way, as an entrepreneur, I don't think we should be on the bleeding edge. I think that's for the scientists, like the scientists mm -hmm. and the explorers. But there's a fun saying that's proven to be true, which is pioneers get murdered, settlers prosper. And so if you were pioneering the chatbot, you're doing it because you love chatbots. But you know what I love more than chatbots, Ralph, is money. <laughs> I love money. And money comes from doing things in an efficient manner that scale. And so as a perfect example of this, in a fun little microcosm, OpenAI just released. And when I say just, I think it's been a couple of weeks. Maybe it's been a little bit longer than that. But even so, 
they just released their chatbot creator. It's a ChatGPT assistant. And the ChatGPT assistant allows you to create a chatbot using your content. And this can be anything. This can be video transcripts, Gmail database, your support ticket system, et cetera, et cetera. So you load up all your junk into ChatGPT and bam, you've got a chatbot created. It's super duper easy. You can go to platform.openai.com forward slash playground. We'll leave links in the show notes. And I think you have to be paying their 20 bucks in order to do this. I don't know if it's available to a free account because I have a paid account, but even so, it's worth the $20. But inside of OpenAI's Playground, you can build a chatbot and you can do so in literal minutes. This is only recently available. So my note to everybody, and you too, Ralph, if you don't mind some advice from a lesser mammal, is with AI, wait until it's easy. Wait until it's easy because everybody's going to be like, oh my goodness, did you know that you can do this thing with AI? And if it's like, oh, all you have to do is plug in these 16 things and write this code and build this bridge and develop that snippet, just know somebody else is going to go do that for you in two weeks. Two weeks from now, somebody's going to have pulled all that together, written the code, done the snippet and said, hey, by the way, here's the easy button. And that's kind of the point of AI. That's sticking thematically with where we are from a sentiment and paradigm perspective. It's supposed to be easy. And so once you have the interface, and that's the way to do it. That's what set everybody's hair on fire with ChatGPT. We've had AI for years, but all of a sudden we, we had a fancy little interface where I could type into a box and the box would type back to me. We're like, oh my God, it's AI. Once you have the interface, then go. If the interface isn't available, unless you're, that's your thing, you're like, no, dude, I want to learn. I want to grow. I'm obsessed with AI. This is my passion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Go do that. God bless you. But if you're just here to make money, grow a business, scale a business, improve on your processes, wait for the interface. And up until very recently, the interface for quote unquote, building a chatbot didn't exist. There were some services out there and some products. They weren't easy. Now the interface exists. So right now today, yeah, go build a chatbot. But I don't think you're behind the, I don't think you're behind the times at all. So the businesses that you have seen that have built chatbots, which are sort of mini agents in a way, and maybe we can even describe for the listener here what we call an agent specifically, but be that as it may. The ones that you have seen, I mean, we had a chatbot for a while that was powered through, geez, I forget which it was, one of those chat companies. We had a whole like chat funnel and everything else and it, we looped it. like We did like an infinity loop on it and we ended up screwing up a lot of stuff. Like we tried Broke to do it. We basically broke the whole thing and it went into this infinite loop where it just annoyed everybody. So it sort of backfired. To your point, pioneers do get shot in the back. So that was three or four years ago. We abandoned that project. We've been more focused on stuff that actually does make our clients and us money. So there is that. But for the ones that you have seen that have deployed a chatbot, thoughts about how they've been able to do it. I know some folks in your mastermind have been able to do it and it's been impressive, but it's still far from where I think AI is ultimately going to go. It's one step towards a better user experience ultimately. But at the end of the day, does it help businesses make more money? Does it make them help them achieve their vision as a business? And what have you seen so far? So the person that's been the most successful at this so far, and we should have her on the show. I'm sure she's been on the show before. She has an egg on her face because she's freaking brilliant. Rachel Miller. And she has, yeah. She has been on the show, right? Yep. Yeah. I know I talk to her so often. I just always forget where it is and in what context. Rachel built busy.ai, which is a really amazing AI-driven tool that does digital product creation. It's worth checking out. Quick plug for our friend. If you're in any level of marketing and you're used to creating assets and landing pages and follow-up and nurture and ads and all that stuff, you know that that's probably weeks worth of work. Rachel's AI tool can do it in about 15 minutes. Now, what's interesting about it is Rachel will be the first one to tell you that she spent an inordinate amount of money and an unbelievable amount of time developing this product, but it does something no other product can do. It was an absolute labor of love. Along the way, she learned more about AI than any human I know. And what's nice is she's not a developer. And so she's been the one that's really been spearheading chatbot development inside of Driven. Her and a young lady named Elena Liu. And the interesting thing about all the chatbots that I've seen deployed is they require a pretty significant amount of upkeep. So it's catching the errors 
there's still a ton of human intervention. The chatbot is right 99 times out of 100, but the one time it's wrong, you have to catch it. And then you have to tell the bot like, hey, this is incorrect. Let me update your database. And usually it's not wrong. For some reason, the data you loaded into the bot was wrong. So you load all the support tickets from your Zendesk into a chatbot and you use that as what it is that you trained your chatbot on. Well, at one point, a support agent answered a question incorrectly. Now that chatbot has the wrong information. But that information, it's like a pivot table. It can proliferate throughout your entire chatbot. So you have to be really diligent about monitoring chats and fixing chats. And what's interesting about that is it's more work in the beginning than not having a chatbot at all. Because instead of now just communicating with customers, you're letting this thing communicate with customers and you have to monitor all those customer communications and then you have to manage and mitigate those customer communications. So I'm not trying to talk anybody out of it. I think it's a literal miracle. It's a modern marvel. It's a miracle. It's just amazing that humanity's developed something that can do this. But I wouldn't be cavalier about it either. I wouldn't be like, oh, we're just going to go deploy a chat bot. I'd make sure you have a really strong business case for it and then step into it with the assumption that it's going to be harder before it's easier. Mm. You know, there's an interesting case study of adoption that when I always sort of go back to, there was a point in time when the internet was brand new. And I look at AI as something that is as transformative as AI as even going back television, radio. You can go back into all these innovations over the course of time. This is a big one. Like AI, I think is as big, if not maybe even bigger than the internet itself in a lot of ways. Fire. Like this is Prometheus, you know? It's it's as big as language. Like it's huge. I I don't think we even can conceive, or maybe Sam Altman himself can conceive of like how big it potentially could be. You know what I mean? It's like even the most forward thinking futurists among us, like how it's going to involve and how it's going to change our lives, it's impossible to say right now, but it's going to be huge. Okay. Is it the reinvention of fire, the wheel going back to all that? My sense is yes. So not to overstate it, but I think that's the reality. If you look at the adoption of the internet, if you look at, and I love the example of, I believe it was either drugstore.com or drugstore. I think it was drugstore.com and how drugstore.com adopted the internet. Their stock went Boom, through the roof, pets.com. Boom, stock, through the roof. All about the internet, early. They're the pioneers. They're the ones who are actually going to make it. There was all these companies using the internet to deliver groceries. Boom, through the roof. Webvan, I believe, was one of them at one point in time. Where are they today? They are nowhere. They're with the mobile pizza delivery. (laughs) They are with the mobile pizza delivery people like... Our friends over at SoftBank, they've gone the way of the dodo bird. They are dead. They are extinct. So, But what happened was because they were so early in the adoption curve, they went hog wild into this technology, this thing called the selling on the internet. Can't believe we can actually do this. The one lone, I think, survivor of this, if you really look back, is like eBay and Amazon. They were very much at the forefront of the adoption of the internet and have been able to sort of work their way through, but they weren't solely dedicated on, well, I wouldn't say that. Amazon was obviously was a bookseller. And so they have survived and they have evolved. And that's an amazing story unto itself. Let's take those people aside. But it took him some time, man. What Amazon launched in 96, 98? <sighs> yeah, I think you, like, we should Google that. The point is, is that drugstore.com- you're God had 94, unbelievable, you really think about it, had this meteoric rise. Obviously, the stock market was infatuated with all these dot-coms, and then everything imploded in March of 2000. Point is, is that the Walmarts of the world, the CVSs of the world, just didn't adopt stuff too fast. They started to realize, hmm, maybe if we started doing maybe a little bit of our business of online prescriptions, maybe we can tie it into our CRM. We can tie it into the EMRs, the electronic medical records, for these huge hospital systems like we have here in Boston, Mass General Brigham Hospital System at that point, it was the partner system. So uh, the reason why I use the healthcare analogy is because I was involved in all of this. And they're like, oh, we can we can integrate all these things. So they, they didn't dive into it, but they did it slowly. Mm. And what they did is they adopted it slowly and with a lot of intelligence. And as the internet evolved, kind of to your point here, 
is that once it became far easier, far easier to take payments, far easier for HIPAA compliance, which is super important when you're selling drugs and prescriptions online, all of these things, like all of the innovations that were happening on the internet, they adopted them into their business model. And then slowly but surely over time, sort of after all the buzz happened in the mid 2000s, that's when the internet actually helped them to achieve their ultimate goal, which was to have better healthcare, more access, easier prescription delivery, a better user experience. And they, because they waited, they didn't jump right in. So, to your point, if you're jumping into a chatbot, I think my sense is that it's going to be hard now. It's, it's going to have, I think, aside from being able to brag to your friends that you've got one, that you think it's cool, I'm not as maybe disappointed and you're making me feel better about this because the more I think about it is the fact that it is true. This technology isn't going anywhere. It's just going to get more refined and better. Maybe you should have the drugstore.coms of the world and the pets.coms of the world to figure it out for you and try and fail and learn from their experiences before you go out and try and build your own. Yeah, let them pay the dummy tax. My opinion on AI right now is use AI to accomplish tasks, not projects. Like, dude, I am. Oh, I talk to ChatGPT daily. It might be my best friend. It's it's an unbelievable <laughs> dude. Again, you would go back to miracle. And the yeah. thing I've learned about ChatGPT that takes some time to sh to shuffle around in your head. The paradigm shift is you're so used to Google. You're so used to a funneled version of thinking. You know, broad questions, semi-specific answer. Modify my question with more specificity. More specific answer. Modify my question, and then you know, I, I get there. And ChatGPT is different in that instead of funneling down, you branch out. It's like building a mind map in real time and having a collaborative entity to do it with and a collaborative entity that over time learns who you are. And so if you're using ChatGPT for specific tasks, I think it's great use of AI. And there's other tools out there too that tend to follow specific levels of analysis. And so if you're doing image creation, for instance, Midjourney and Dolly and Leonardo.ai, like in each of these instances, I would caution anybody, if your business isn't AI, or you don't think your business is about to be wholesale taken over by AI, I'd leave AI projects alone. I'd work on just look at your task list. These are the 10 things that I do a day or the 500 things I do a day or the 10 things maybe more importantly that my employees do a day. How can I supplement, buttress, strengthen, processize these using AI? And that's where all of a sudden you start to see really significant yields. And it keeps you safe from doing these huge deep dives where you build a bunch of bullshit that tomorrow is antiquated because somebody goes and they make it better, easier, faster. So for those of you who are listening who have not used either ChatGPT or, or Google Bard, which is the two favorites that we have, like I've said many times, I tend to use Bard more. Give me an example of a task, something that you have used, because I think part of this conversation here today is to get out of the mindset of I have to do everything myself and let's get away from like the traditional Google search to find the answer to the question that I might have. So give me an example maybe of personal and or business of how you use chat GPT. I think just getting people, because that's one of the things that we're in this insular world, we're in the digital space, but we're talking to a lot of folks that maybe are not in the digital space or maybe run businesses but want to do more on the digital side? Like, where are you using that tool? Like at a base level, the one that is getting all the notoriety right now, ChatGPT or Google Bard, what do you use? Give us some examples of that. So I'm pulling up my ChatGPT now because it keeps a history of things. And one of the simplest ones I have, I'll read the prompt to you. Act as a headhunter with more than a decade in your job. You want to standardize the process of getting information about the people you want to find. In order to do so, you determine the best way of starting is by splitting the market by sectors. You'll start with an intake form for companies looking to source their entry-level positions abroad. Examples include VA, copywriter, customer service, video editing, etc. What questions would you ask if what questions you ask me if I were your customer? Be concise, but make sure you get all the information you could possibly need without overwhelming me. That's the prompt. Here's what's really interesting about this particular prompt is I didn't write this, my EA did. I put him through a prompting course. He's gotten really, really good at this. And the response was un freaking believable. And if I had to come up with this form myself, you know what's interesting about this one, Ralph, is I don't think this saved me much time. I think I probably could have come up with a form myself in about as much time. I'm a pretty smart guy. I've done this for a while. I know what questions to ask. But the form that ChatGPT came up with included stuff 
that I just A, would have missed or B, wouldn't have asked properly or with nearly as much detail. For instance, position details, number of vacancies per title. That's a question I would have forgot. And now from a scale perspective, here's a form that doesn't scale because I don't know how many vacancies you have per title. I don't know how to prioritize my intake, who to pay the most attention to, what roles to put the most juice behind, a preferred experience level, entry level, one or two years experience, et cetera. It even includes the example. That's what the chat GPT output was, preferred experience level, e.g., entry level, one or two years of experience. That might not have been something that I expected. Expected work hours and time zone considerations. It just was a phenomenally better output. And from there, and this is the important piece, unlike search, this is a conversation. From there, we iterate. All right, do it again, but for this specific role, for this specific industry, for this specific geography, in this specific language. And now all of a sudden where maybe it didn't save me much time in the beginning, it just made it a little bit better. Now it's saving me time. Because if I have to put this out, you know, if I'm doing recruiting in multiple countries and I need this in four languages... Well, that's time. And ChatGPT does that in a fraction of a second. And then if I need to do it on a per industry basis, or if I need to export this into a pivot table, which is the the other thing that's really cool about ChatGPT is its ability to export things into a database view that you can now put into Google Sheets or put into Excel and play with. And so again, I wouldn't use it for the whole whole project. ChatGPT right now today is not going to do recruiting for me. But me as a recruiter, I have these individual tasks and I go in and I have it help supplement the task and it makes me that much better and it works that much faster. Yeah. So as far as tips on the prompts themselves, everyone talks about the prompt being the key here. Iterations of the prompt. Like what have you found to be the best ways in which to prompt? And we're just talking about chat GPT here, really. Folks, we we have a list of a lot of different tools, but what have you found that is the key to specificity and to getting what you want out of the tool with regard to feeding it the prompt? Or is it multiple prompts and iterations of those prompts that lead to the best result in your experience? I'm going to steal something from Perry Belcher. Perry said this at one of our Driven Masterminds. He said, don't get obsessive with prompts. Prompt engineering is going to go away. Prompt engine. Now, the whole world right now is like, oh, learn to be a prompt engineer. The next biggest role is going to be prompt engineer. We're going to have degrees for prompt engineering. And Perry's point, which I absolutely believe and actually kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier, is prompt engineering right now is only necessary because AI is still in its infancy. The point of AI is that AI learns, grows, iterates, and it does so unassisted. Prompt engineering is predicated on the belief that you need to prompt the AI. And what I've seen, Ralph, I've been playing with ChatGPT for what, 90 days? Like not long. Between then and now, it's already gotten so much better. I used to have to say, act as this, speak in this way. You know, you'd have all these prompt engineering required prefaces. So I'd have 15 prefaces before I'd start. And then 15 would drop to 10, 10 would drop to five, five would drop to two. And now I might have one or two prefaces every other prompt. So what I would really start doing is talk to ChatGPT like it's, I hate to say this, man, because it's going to sound so weird. Talk to it like it's a person. But maybe the only prompt to start with is just tell it the type of person it is. Hey, I need you to assume that you're an attorney with 20 years of experience in labor law. And now I'm going to ask you some questions. And then just chat at it. And every now and again, if you don't like the, the context or the frame that you're getting, maybe via a prompt, change it. But I wouldn't get too obsessive with prompts because I think the smarter AI gets, the more intuitive it's going to get and the less necessary prompting is going to be. As a matter of fact, we already have, there's a really fun place, go to promptbase.com, promptbase.com. There's a marketplace for prompts. If there's a marketplace for prompts, that means that prompts have been commoditized. If prompts have been commoditized, anything that's been commoditized by literal definition can now be what? Scaled, automated, processized, et cetera. And if that can happen, then we've gone full circle and incestuous because that means that ChatGPT could just crawl prompt base, learn all the prompts, and now it knows how to, and I'm not being funny here, dude, it knows how to prompt itself. And the other thing that's really interesting, my EA shared this with me too, I wish I had this to cite, but there was a study of engagement with AI and what they found was using strong adjectives improved the output. So saying things like, I need a beautiful job description instead of just a job description. And that's maybe a horrible example, but I'm really in a hurry. Like talking to it like it's a human. Hey, I'm really desperate for an answer. 
saying things that you're like, a computer doesn't care about that. It's the exact opposite. It, for whatever reason, it improves and increases. I'm going to message my EA right now and I'm going to say, dude, where's that study you told me? Because hopefully he gives yeah. it to me before the end of this interview. I want to read it to you. It was the unbelievable. Adjective. The adjective yeah. is the key, which sets the tone for the output as you're searching for that one. Let me give you an example. So I'm in our, we have a tier 11 chat GPT, so I can see everything that's been done inside chat GPT. I tend to use Bard because it's only me. So I'm tailoring it towards me specifically, but we have a group one, which we use as a company, which makes sense. Like, why not? Right. You know? So our prompt is for this one, and I know who this was from. <laughs> You are the best social media writer in the world. You are an amazing at writing, engaging, and informational copy. Write content to go along with the following short-form video transcript. I need social posts for Facebook Reels, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn. Follow the best practices for each platform. Also, write five title variations for YouTube Shorts videos. Like this whole thing. And it, we literally, whoever prompted this, I can see who did it, prompted it three times. And I know which social posts these actually became. Mm. And they are now a part of our entire content strategy. Isn't that fun when you you start from the end and you reverse engineer like how the AI got there? Right. And I know which ones here and they are doing well as social posts. Like they have virality. They have thousands of views. The point is, it's the stuff that we put in. It's fascinating to see the inputs actually creating, yes, an output, but also a result. Mm -hmm. And that's the cool thing right now with AI is that you can use... I look at the future of AI and digital marketing and just marketing and advertising in sort of three ways is, all right, we have not gone on the the chatbot route as of yet. But the ultimate goal, if we sort of begin with the end in mind, is to be able to prompt one thing one time and get the exact output that you want, which is my view as well as, and we'll leave a link in the show notes to, I think, one of the best articles from one of our more forward-thinking people of the 21st century, which is Bill Gates. And he talks about how to use agents. And do you remember Clippy, the the little paper clip, little paper clip thing? Yeah. Like that was the original agent. It didn't work. No. But like, that's what it kind of did. So if you think about everyone would have personal assistants, like a Clippy that could do everything for you from start to finish. And I look at that as the end result, an agent being really one of the most important things and a tool that you can use as an individual, whether it's your professional life, your personal life, it's like an AI assistant. That's not even really at the tip of the iceberg as far as what AI can do past that. But I think that's a pretty good place to say, all right, we're going to be there at some point in time. Right now, we're sort of in this area where we're primarily tool-based. What we've been talking about for the first 15, 20 minutes of the show is one tool, which is ChatGPT, which is a great tool. However, tools right now, if you pull them all together with the human in the center, can create a lot of enhanced productivity. No question. I think we've talked here in the past is that it can make somebody who is highly productive, almost incredibly productive. It can take sort of a mediocre employee and make them a pretty good employee. Hopefully this isn't too far afield, Ralph. I'm going to stop on a point that's important to me and we can move on if you don't think it's worth any more time. Sure. I think AI amplifies the value of the human by a multiple, but it does so in a double-edged way. Your good employees become great employees. Your bad employees become catastrophic errors waiting to happen because AI is going to scale everything. It's going to scale. You know, go back to the, the, the chat bot example I gave you earlier. The chat bot's great mm-hmm. as long as it has great data. The minute you have a mistake that some support ticket person made, that mistake is cascaded across your entire database. It's amplified. It's amplified. So Mm -hmm. what's interesting is you have to be really careful about who you give this AI tool because now that they've got the tool, instead of creating one social post, they're going to create 5,000 social posts. And if they made a mistake, that mistake is replicated 5,000 times. So mediocre employees are really dangerous. Could be potentially dangerous. You don't give everybody the nuclear codes, right? And I mean, here we are with, I don't know, nuclear marketing tools, man. And I think people are going to become that much more important. I think people are still going to be the filter. So for example, I know in our business, we have done a a lot of transformation. I know we talk about tier 11, we talk about solutions eight here on the podcast a lot. Well, that's the example that we use. 
we have filtered out as a business consciously those people who are maybe they might have been A players a few years ago. But because of the evolution of all the changes within like the digital marketing space are now no longer A players, they're B players, or they might be even borderline C players, and they don't fit the mold of where we're going. So I think at the top of all of this, and I think you make a really important point, notice I didn't talk about bad employees getting them to being mediocre. I did talk about the ones that were good becoming great and the ones that are great becoming absolutely amazing. That's where you should be headed as a business. If those individuals suit your business model and to be very intentional about, yes, there is a part of your business that you might need to filter out some of those folks that maybe fit your business before. And I wouldn't say necessarily are being replaced by AI, but your best people are now being enhanced. Being amplified by AI. By AI. And therefore, it makes the middling ones, or even hopefully you don't have many ones on the foot of the lower rung, like the C players, that makes them obsolete. And I think that's just a leveling up of a business. And I think as a business owner, you need to constantly, or whether you're a director of marketing or a VP of marketing, look at your team. Do you have like you have to reevaluate your team like every three months at the bare minimum, especially with the tools that are now made available? Because we have an 11-step process to use AI with, I think there's like 13 tools that we use. Mm. If we have the wrong human in the middle of that, like you said, that could be catastrophic. Right. These are the nuclear codes. This could self-destruct our client base as a result of that, which we can't have happen. So as a result of that, we have been able to reduce our headcount okay, and also elevate those people that are truly the cream of the crop because these tools make them that much better. What are the tools that they're using? Do you mind sharing? Yeah. So, all right, we want to create an ad. We're an ad agency or marketing agency. So let's just talk about how we create. So for example, I know for a fact, I'm going to use like the tier 11 ads just because I know that process intimately. Like how do we actually create our social posts and our advertising? Step number one is do research on the topics at the top of funnel and all about awareness and who our avatar is, what messaging and we use tools like ChatGPT and Bard together, as well as Audisense and Brand24, which are two other tools that we'll leave in the show notes here. So that goes deep on the whole research side of the equation. We do a whole thing called Creative Strategy Framework, which is going deep into the avatar and messaging that we find, but then filtering it out through the human, through the creative strategist who can say, that's good, that's bad. Mm. Because remember, you're pulling from the entire internet here. So you have to be very, very specific and very specific to the product. So that's being pulled from product pages. That's being pulled from information on the internet. That's being pulled from ChatGPT and Bard. So at a base level, research on the avatar and messaging is done there first. Okay. So that's sort of our first tool. We sort of aggregate that into an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Sheet. And then we work from there. That's our sort of basis of research. But a lot of that is driven by insights from some of these tools, ChatGPT specifically. But then like, listen to the the prompt that I just gave you through ChatGPT. That was part of a marketing message that came out of, okay, this is a message that is going to resonate with this particular customer. And this is how we're going to start writing their social posts. Mm. So we're using that as our sort of first tool. And that's a lot. And like I said, it is right in the middle of it is a human filtering it because these humans, the ones that are in the middle of it need to be your best people. The best people that say, okay, that really does make sense. And maybe that other part, because it's not resonating with the product is not something that we're going to use. So we do that first. Then we create uh, a list of topics for those either those posts or those ads and we use SEM rush and we're now testing syllabi.io as two other tools so those then create a list of potential topics that we might want to post or we might want to create ads for so that's sort of the second step and then we edit the videos that are then done sometimes in some cases we use different tools called autopod media encoder and we have not used synthesia.ai as of yet which actually creates the actual video but we'll utilize these tools as well as opus which we use for all of our social posts so those editing tools are used 
from the original content that's either put into a video form or done through uh, a written form. Then we use content at scale.ai to generate blog posts, which you see on the Tier 11 site. And those are obviously, those are edited by our, our copywriters. And then number five is we iterate on that post with GPT-4 to make it sound more human and in line with the message that we're trying to relay. So we do take the entire post, throw it into GPT, try to rewrite it in different ways using some of the prompts in which we had discussed in the early part of the show. And then we might even create video transcripts into post copy and headlines from chat GPT that we then use on multiple social posts. So from that one piece of content that will create different iterations of headlines so we can test those against each other. And then we'll use Photoshop and Firefly to create generative fill images for the ads and the social posts, the thumbnails, everything that goes along with that. And then last but not least, we use adcreative.ai in some cases to create the actual ads themselves, inputting all of this information. So that's nine steps right there. And then we distribute all of that through another couple of tools, HubSpot, Metricool, and then repurpose.ai. So there's three more tools there. Uh, HubSpot actually has a, a, it's a really good posting tool. So it gets to all our socials. And then we iterate on those in step 11 with the ones that work the best. We take the best ideas and then repurpose them or rewrite them, go back to step number one and start all over again in an iterative process for the, the content that makes the most sense and resonates with our market the most. And the center of it all, though, like I said, is a human being with a bunch of tools sort of surrounding. And that's where it is today. But it's a cumbersome process. It's 10 or 11 steps, sort of depending on how you look at it. We're not deploying this on every single customer of ours. But for Tier 11 specifically, we use all of those tools almost every single day to create a lot of the stuff that you guys might see in our social posting. We'll leave some links in the show notes for that as examples. Does that make sense or is that too much too soon? Dude, first of all, that was an insane amount of value. And as you've been saying these, I've been looking them up. I didn't know most of them. Which is funny because I thought I really had my finger to the AI pulse. Like content at scale looks so cool. I have heard of adcreative.ai. I never really poked around or played with it though. And it's fun to know like who's using what because it validates. You kind of want to dig in and some things could just be smoke and mirrors. You know what I'm saying? And to the point that you just said about, I know that's a lot. Here's what's interesting about it is, well, that's a lot of stuff you would have been doing manually. So here's a lot of things that have been freaking automated for you? Yeah, I would say for our social team, we'll leave links back to this in the show notes for the the session that we did with Dennis Yu. For our social team, there's three or four people total. And I'm just talking about like our in-house team. But to have the output that we have with those team members, some are hands-on tools. One specifically is all hands-on tools and two sort of half their time and then strategy obviously for the marketing department. The point is, is that we wouldn't be able to get the output that we have right now for any of our content without these tools. Right. It's all being done by literally like one person and two or three other people sort of helping. And the tools themselves enhance the productivity. Now, our next stage of this is every stage of this. I'm saying like what I just mentioned is like sort of a 10 or 11 stage process Sounds all great, and I highly encourage you to, to use this with your team, but we're not done yet. There's so much more that we need to be doing to make it even better, and a lot of that does not necessarily involve AI. Mm. A lot of it involves really getting granular. Okay, we did this post. I remember it was one of our highest rank, or just our most viral posts which is the cost of like a Starbucks coffee and the lifetime value of Starbucks. To this day, it's still our most viral post on TikTok. It's got like 300,000, 400,000 views or something like that. It's a crazy amount. So we need to go back to that. And so now part of 2024 strategy is we have now three to six months of data on what resonates with our market. Now it is, okay, now we have all this data. Now let's put the human eye on it and maybe even using AI. I'm just going to say, load that up in chat GPT and say, hey, what should my next post be? What should our next post be? What should our content be? 
what resonates most with our audience. So it's a constant iterative process. So when I say iterate, there's an iterative part that is human, but also you could be using tools to help iterate and ChatGPT and BARD are going to be those tools from our perspective. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot. Like I said, it's very tools-based at this point. And I know your team is using a fair amount of tools. You don't have a chatbot either, but on the Google Ads side of the equation, like where are they using, is it mostly stuff that you're using right now for chat on ChatGPT just for prompts and questions that you have answered, or is it something that's being integrated into what you guys are doing at Solutions 8? Yeah. So, you know, I'm one standard deviation removed from the day-to-day management and we were purchased by an AI-driven MarTech company. And so they've loaded us up with a bunch of tools that we're more or less a sandbox for. And what's interesting about that is a lot of them aren't ready for prime time. But if anybody wants to pay attention or continue to follow, the company that bought us is called Pixis, Pixis.ai. And I'm doing my fiduciary responsibility by pimping out my overlords. And they're creating governance, creative, targeting, and at some point attribution tools. And the reason they wanted to buy agencies is so they had a sandbox to deploy those tools in. That said, my team, we we don't have the creative needs that your team has because as an agency, we don't do the creative. We rely on our clients for that, which ended up being a flawed model, to be frank. And we talked a little bit about that on the last episode. And so most of the AI tools that I see us using are used for things like data analysis, uh, identification of targeting, customer research. And it's some of what we've mentioned. And then there's some other stuff too that has actually been pretty cool. We do use some video editing software that we've mentioned before, Opus, of course, Descript. There's this really cool tool called Claude.ai. Have you played with Claude yet? I have not specifically, but... I know my team has. Yeah. And it's, you know, they do the whole annoying thing where they make you opt in, but it's helpful for task management and system creation, which has been interesting to see, maybe not with that tool specifically, but where those things could go. If you have all these employees and all these tasks taking place, it stands to reason that, and I don't even know if Claude's going to go this direction to be frank, but you can kind of see from the outside looking in how an AI driven application could say, well, this is redundant, this is superfluous, this is could be accelerated, and then merge the the distance between individual tasks. I also really like scalebot.me and it's AI content generation and we use it a lot for text. So it does image generation and co-generation, but we use it a lot for text and because Google is super, super text heavy. And I know I'm not the only agency that uses them. They seem to be, as far as Google agencies are concerned, they might be the gold standard, scalebot.me. And they're super duper cheap too. They cost literally nothing. Which that's the other thing that's so interesting about all these AI tools is they're all like practically free. It's like $12 per month or $50 per month. And a lot of them don't even have per user fees. Scalebot doesn't, or at least I don't think it does. We're all logging into the same user anyway. I wonder with the proliferation of AI tools, how much of this is sustainable? Because it takes some amount of money to build these things, market them, manage them, offer customer support. Even if ChatGPT is the engine and they don't have much in the way of infrastructure, I don't know how a company makes money off of $20 a month. I mean, the answer there, of course, would be, well, if you had 100,000 users and it's like, well, okay, but there's so many of these damn things, how many of them are going to reach critical mass that way? And so that's probably, and I'm rambling now, Ralph, but that's something to pay attention to is don't get over-reliant on any one tool. Because the consolidation, the loss, the entropy and atrophy is going to be a real thing. We've seen that in SaaS for years and years and years. I think it's going to be amplified with AI. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think it's the drugstore.com, pets.com kind of thing in the internet here. Like you've got this proliferation of tools. It's almost like you you have like a full-time job just keeping up with all the tools. And I know we're going to have Matt Wolf on uh, the podcast shortly, who's one of our favorite AI channel, at least for me, one of my favorite AI channels on YouTube. We'll leave a link in the show notes for him, but he'll be talking about like tools that we probably haven't even heard of yet because that's pretty much all he does. He's figured out, and there's lots of folks that do this. There's so many tools that are coming out. How many are going to be helpful and useful for you in the here and now? And secondarily, to your point, how many are actually going to be there Mm. in a year or so? How many tools can at $9, $20, $12 a month? really afford. I mean, we have 40 users on our one chat GPT open AI account. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like that's, yeah, everybody's using yeah. just the same. Why wouldn't you? 
I mean, and I know why you wouldn't, when you train ChatGPT for a specific role, you kind of want to keep it clean. But if everybody in this agency is using it the same way, then I don't know. It's just not necessary. No, it's not. Well, all right. Well, today we've primarily talked about a lot of the tools that we're using in the here and now, in the today. And in a future episode, maybe part two of this, Kasim, we can get into where sort of we think in the next year or two, a lot of this is going, and then ultimately where it's going to go into the future. And for me, I really think it's the agents. It's like just the suit, like taking everything that we talked about. We'll leave all the links to as, as many of these tools as we possibly can from today's show in the show notes over perpetualtraffic.com. But it's like, how is this going to be extract a human a little bit more from it? If you follow my 11 steps of how we create our social posts, there's a lot of human in there. <laughs> but it's making that human, it's making that human very, very productive. The next step is how do you devolve or actually pull that human out and then maybe even entirely insert it into the future of AI. We can talk about that in our next show. So make sure that if you want a free ticket over at TNC, the best marketing conference on the planet, that you submit a review on your favorite podcast site. We're going to randomly select a lucky winner. So make sure that you do do that. We're capping that at what? Year end. So that's through the end of the year, through yeah, January 1st, January December 9th, 31st. So we probably need to tell somebody like yeah. right on the, like announce it whenever that episode is. Yeah. We need to announce it quick. because January 2nd will get, be an episode. So we'll announce it yeah. then. We'll announce it then on our January 2nd episode. So make sure to tune in on that. And also, if you do want to get a ticket maybe for your entire team or whoever, head on over to trafficandconversionsummit.com and use the discount code PERPETUALTRAFFIC, all one word, cost something to get to 20% off your ticket. So check that out. We'll leave links, obviously, over at perpetualtraffic.com. Make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating. Obviously, if you leave the rating and leave the review, you automatically are entered for the free ticket. There's that. And then follow us over on our socials, me on LinkedIn, Kasim at Kasim Aslam on all the socials. Go back and listen to previous episodes and especially check out our YouTube channel at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Like I said, all the links that we mentioned here will be over at perpetualtraffic.com in the show notes. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 